I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Welcome back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. Today's beautiful episode, I got to have my friend, Mr. Chris Bell, on the show. Chris is uh, the brother of Mark Bell, who we've had, uh, I don't know how many episodes, Episodes go, but previously, and um, he is rad. He is a director, producer, writer. Um, some of the documentaries you might know him from would be Bigger, Stronger, Faster, and uh, Trophy Kids, Prescription Thugs. Really amazing stuff. He's got a new one coming out on Kratom, coming out, I think, in a couple few months or so. So stay tuned for that. Uh, in this conversation, we get into all sorts of interesting directions, um, get into how kind of a lot of our world, we don't realize it, but we're still under a certain degree of slavery, you could say, and what the hell that means, um, addiction, and um, really good stuff. He gets into just a lot of genuine stories of his past that um, it was really, really impressive to see strong fella like Chris kind of bear his heart like that. So really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you guys do as well. Here's a little clip. The point being that we have people that still control people. Um, we just do it yeah. through a different a different means, right? And so we we basically have the rich controlling the poor right. is what we have because in the states of Alabama, Tennessee, and West Virginia, there are more prescriptions for opioids than there are fucking people. Thank you so much for tuning into the website, aligntherapy.com, if you feel drawn to that thing. On there, you can start the five-day movement challenge, and uh, you can also get show notes for this and all the rest of the shows. I have a quote from Mr. Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt quote goes like this. No man is worth his salt who is not ready at all times to risk his well-being, to risk his body, to risk his life in a great cause. I wonder how many people, myself included, have something in their life that they're so passionate about that they would be willing to risk their, their body or their life or their well-being or whatever it may be. I think we are so surrounded by superficial bullshit that uh, sometimes maybe it, it takes up all the space to allow anything really meaningful into our lives. So uh, just a thought. Have a little thought there. Um, thank you so much to uh, Casey Janer for leaving us a iTunes review. Get a hold of us on Instagram and Align Podcast, Casey, and uh, we will send you out a box of Four Sigmatic Mushrooms. She says, usually skeptical of health podcasts. Five stars. Health podcasts are often one-sided or one-minded, selling fear and promises of healing masses. It's really nice and fun to hear Aaron talk about health in a way that is both educated and alternative without clearly, uh, without being clearly in a camp or telling people they're doing something wrong in order for him to tell them what to do right. Really appreciate that. That's really sweet of you. She goes on to say other nice things, but uh, I don't know if you guys really care about the whole thing that she says, but I do. Uh, thank you also to whoever the heck bought a flat screen something or another digital LED TV off the Amazon affiliate link. Greatly appreciate that. Costs almost 400 bucks. We get about 7% of that, and that's a great free way for you to support this podcast. Jump on to aligntherapy.com slash podcast, podcast page, and uh, just click on that Amazon affiliate 
affiliate link, bookmark it. Anytime you or your friends buy crap on Amazon, buy that crap through that link. It costs you nothing and just chops a little bit off of the Amazon account and drops it into ours. So greatly appreciate y'all doing that. I think that's probably all that we need. I have a, this might be a little ridiculous. Um, last night came home from a trip, went out to see uh, Joe DeSena, really rad guy, the founder of Spartan Race, recorded a podcast interview with him, really great, and uh, came back and then recorded for the first time. I started tinkering with recording some music. So I layered together a, a djembe, a type of drum, a uh, didgeridoo, um, what else? Oh, a Native American flute, and then a couple like singing songs stuff in the background this is like a little eight to ten second little snippet of it and part of my intentions for including this little snippet uh one i just wanted to share but uh also because one of the things we talked about in this conversation is in relation to how do we stay grounded how do we stay calm how do we stay feeling genuine feeling in our bodies and uh man that sounds airy fairy as i say that out loud shit but how do we feel our best even after we're going through something that might kind of stir us up such as sitting in a car or a plane for a while or being in some situation that just makes us feel anxious. So one of the things that I turn to is music. I highly recommend get a Native American flute. You can get one for like 60 bucks and you can learn how to play that thing in no time at all or a harmonica. They're really easy to play, a drum, anything like that. So if nothing else, hopefully this is some degree of inspiration that uh, go buy an instrument, a random instrument, treat yourself to some silly, ridiculous drum or what have you and uh, see what happens. Let it lie around your house and maybe you will start whacking it. Maybe your kids will start whacking it and it might start to enliven and brighten your world just a little bit. All right, here we go. Back to the show. Thank you so much for listening. Pitch, pitch, boom. pretty diverse background with sure. physical movement and kind of what brought you to the point of, of being really interested in Kratom. Yeah. Can you kind of get into a little bit of what that history is? Yeah. So when I was younger, when I was maybe 16 years old, I started having problems where um, I was playing football and I just realized that I was different. You know, I couldn't run like the other kids and things were just kind of not mechanically working in my body right. uh, correctly. So I went to a doctor and he just said right away, like, you need your knees operated on. You have all these bone chips in your knees and blah, blah. So I got that done sort of immediately. Um, I missed a bunch of school because of that. That was just arthroscopic surgery, but I had missed a bunch of school at the end of the year when I was like in, I don't know, I was maybe in like 10th grade or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I actually ended up staying back a year. I ended up, uh, that was kind of good for me because I was, I went to school when I was young. So, uh, but you know, I kept struggling with a lot of pain and I didn't know why I went to college I was uh, a power lifter, you know, squatting like 675, but my hips were killing me yeah. and I had no idea why. I had no idea like why I, how I could be so strong yet something was so broken. And when I went to the doctor, like the, immediately he, he watched me, I was 33 years old. I had just finished bigger, stronger, faster. We had just finished shooting it. I walked across the room and he just said, you need new hips. And I'm like, how do you even know that? And he's like basically schedule this kid for surgery he needs to go in now 
Huh. And I was like, what are you like? What are you talking about? You didn't even do an x-ray. Yeah. And uh, he's like, I don't need to do an x-ray. I've done over 400 of these. I can see that you can't walk right. Huh. You know, and so they knew right away that it's like this guy needs new hips. And he said to me, uh, you've probably had this problem for quite a while. This is more of a genetic uh, issue that you have than something that you brought on by powerlifting. This is nothing that you've done. This is genetic. You know, my father had his first hip replacement or first hip surgery when he was 17 years old. So we don't have good cartilage in our family, I guess. I don't know what, you know, what the deal is, but the cartilage had all wasted away and left me to have a double hip replacement surgery, which, you know, left me in a lot of pain. Uh, one of the hips actually uh, got messed up. So they had to redo it three years later or two years later. Um, that whole mess basically, you know, I, I shouldn't say forced me or, you know, made me, but I did become a drug addict. Um, I don't think anybody forced me or made me. I think part of it was fun. And the other part of it was like, well, fuck, I'm in pain, you know, and I, I have all this, all this, these issues. So, um, you know, I got onto prescription painkillers. That went on for like five or six years and just a downward spiral of addiction uh, mixed that with alcohol, which became, you know, when you're not uh, able to supplement with enough of the pills, you need something else. So you drink with it to exacerbate the right. effects of the pills. And so that became a thing. And then uh, drinking became the only thing because eventually I realized the pills were going to kill me. So I went right to alcohol and... Um, that was my painkiller for a while, and then that started to not be working anymore. So I went back to taking pills, drinking, doing Xanax, smoking pot with that, like eh, fucking everything to try to get out of pain. Yeah. And like uh, where it ended me up was rehab. <laughs> and um, when I got out of rehab, there was still an issue. There was still a big issue, a glaring hole. It's like, okay, cool. You got off You got off all your pills. Everybody told you those painkillers are going to wreck you. Like they told me from the beginning. Everybody told me don't drink for pain. That's not a good idea, right? But nobody has a fucking answer. Nobody, right? Nobody yeah. Yeah. has an answer. So a friend of mine called me and said, well, actually, right before that, I, I actually was on the Dr. Drew show. And Dr. Drew had explained to me, listen, you're, looking at, you're barking up the wrong tree here. Opiates are not a good... Uh, way to treat chronic pain. They're not good at all. They're actually not even recognized by the Center for Disease Control as a way to treat chronic pain. They actually only recommend three to seven days, no more now, you know? So hmm. I was, okay, what do I do? And he said, you take Advil and Tylenol in combination. Yeah, and he produced a study. He said, here's a study that they did. National Safety Council did this study with like 60,000 participants or something. They took, you know, Advil and Tylenol. They took opiates and they took all these different things. And here's how they responded to pain. And the majority, like four out of five people said that Advil and Tylenol in combination works better for pain. So for six months, I was cranking on about, you know, 15 to 20 Advil and Tylenol a day, you know, in combination, just, you know, I'd pop, um, I would pop two Advil, two Tylenol at a time, boom, not think anything of it. And then a friend of mine called me and told me that he had a kidney transplant. He was a near pro bodybuilder. Yeah. He said, I heard you talking on, uh, this, I was on Joe Rogan's show, and he said, I heard you talking about how you take this Advil and Tylenol for pain, and I don't, I don't think that you should be doing that. I think you should look into that a little bit more. And so I was like, okay. So I just, you know, stepped back and took a look at it, and I saw these people getting kidney transplants and other people from, you know, um, it's, I think uh, Advil kills the kidneys and Tylenol kills the liver pretty quickly. So 
when I took a look at that, I was just like, okay, so this is out the picture now too. What else is there? And my friend said to me, who was in Prescription Thugs, my buddy Horseshoe said, you ever hear this stuff called Kratom? Mm. I said, you know what, dude? I've heard of that shit. That shit don't work, right? I even, I think maybe a, like a year earlier had tweeted about Kratom. Uh, somebody asked me about it and I said, I don't, think, I don't think it works. I bought it and I didn't get high. But I was looking for the wrong thing. Yeah, I was right. looking for, I was looking to get high. It's like if somebody gave me CBD and I didn't know what it was, I would say, well, I didn't get high. And you would say, well, that's not what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to, it's supposed to kill the pain, you know? And I was like, oh, Kratom's supposed to kill the pain too. I thought it just made you high. So you forgot about the pain and people like, no, no, no. It's a painkiller. It also works as a stimulant if you take it in a lower dose, blah, blah, blah. And they explain the whole thing. And so I got hooked up with this guy that owns a Kratom company. And within three months, I was like, we have to make a movie about this. Hmm. This is way too important. This, I, I, I knew, you know, three months into taking it, I said, this can solve the opiate epidemic. This does enough to get you over that edge without, you know, without, um, but without getting you addicted, without getting you, uh, I should say, you know, we don't, we don't know how addictive it is, but the preliminary, you know, studies that they've done have shown it to be as addictive as nutmeg, um, like right around as addictive as coffee, you know? And it's, so it's right. like, it's really hard to fault that, you know, like, oh, well, it's, you know, people say, oh, it's addictive. And it's like, yeah, well, so is a million other things in our diet, yeah. sugar being the worst one, you know? Have you, um, there's a guy called Gabor Mate who I've had on here before. He's like an addiction expert. Sure. Yeah. Super, super rad. He's got a couple books, uh, when the body says no in the realm of hungry ghosts, like highly recommended. Are you familiar with him? No, I'm not, but I check it out, man. Check you, it out. Yeah. yeah sure. You'd appreciate it. But one of the things he gets into is, is addiction being not just something like, okay, the drug is addictive. So yeah. if you take it, it's like, you know, it's, it's dangerous. It's, it's more, it's the terrain that the drug is going into the train being the individual. Sure. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of this has to do. So they did this experiment. There's a guy named Johan Hari. Have you heard of him? I have heard of and him. He talks yeah. about addiction in a different way. He said they did a experiment with these rats and they Rat put, park. they put sugar water in, in this, um, thing and they put other one they put cocaine in and whatever you know the rats go to these different bottles and it's like shows if they're addicted to sugar or cocaine or whatever, and it shows their addiction right but they actually made this thing like you just brought up rat park yeah and rat park had all this these cool slides and little tunnels that you can go in rat and these things and they had a bunch of rat friends yeah and they yeah. had they had girlfriends <laughs> and they could have sex and they could they could climb up these uh, things and have fun and they could bond together. And they found out that these rats didn't go to any of the, they didn't use any of these drugs yeah. because they were having connections yeah. and that those connections, even though they were in just rats, were even serving as something that can uh, make them show up every day, make them want to get out of bed every day. Like if you were, um, if you got up at a, if you live in Alaska like what per like what reason do you have every day to get up and go to the gym? Right. But if there was some like hot ass chick in Alaska yeah. that was at that gym every day, your ass would be there at six a.m. and you'd be training your ass off trying to be the one guy that gets that chick, right? Because it's like that's all that's all there would be. So you would be going to the gym because there's a con a potential connection there yeah. there's a it's not like you know wow i'm fucking like you know we all get lonely we all feel lonely and i feel like when i was a drug addict that's all it really was was i was 
I was both self, I was isolating myself, but it happened right after my brother died. And we lived in a, we were a really tight family who stopped talking to each other because there was a death in the family and nobody knows what the fuck to say. So everybody's just silent, you know, and you know, my mom used to call me every single day, every single day. She doesn't call me anymore every single day. Like things change, you know, when somebody dies, shit changes. Hmm. And so when shit changes and you're not mentally ready for it, or maybe like, you know, mature enough to handle it, which I think when I was a drug addict, right? They say that your mind stops, you're, you're, uh, you stop maturing at the age where you start doing drugs, which is about for me, 19 or 20. Hmm. Right. So I'm in a 19 year old mindset and my brother dies. Like I'm, I was 30 something years old, but I was in that mindset. I was doing drugs the whole time. So when my brother passed away, I was kind of numb to it, you know, and then waking up like, you know, eight years later or, you know, seven years later, so I'm going like, well, shit, I don't even, I don't even remember. Like, I don't even, that never registered with me that he passed away. It never mm. registered me in, right. with me in the way that it should. So when I went to rehab, all I did was beat myself up over the fact that like, I didn't cry enough about my brother's death. Yeah. You know, and that's a weird, that's a weird thing to experience. It's like, you know, you feel guilty because, you know, you didn't, you didn't feel it as much as you maybe should have. And it's a, just a, a weird kind of feeling that I just, just took a while to shake, you know, just was like a weird, you know, one of those, uh, strange, uh, zones that your mind goes in and you're like, well, what, you know, what could I have done better? What could I have done differently? And the only thing I can think of that I could have done better and done differently is walk through that sober. And that's it. It's that simple. So I removed that thing from my life that, you know, was a thorn in my side for so long that numbed the death of my brother that took a lot from me. And I got rid of that part of it and I replaced it with more mindful activities. And I got rid of the pain using something like Kratom, you know? I think it's interesting when you see like some of the most amazing art and music and such comes out of people's pain and drug addiction. And uh, all the best that. comedy comes out of misery. You know, yeah. the funniest stuff comes out of, you know, being there by yourself and just like That's being it. able to like even laugh at it or being like, well, you know, what am I doing here? Yeah. You know, I think a lot of it with drug addiction is like when you look back on it, it's all funny. It's all fun and game. It's all like, what the fuck was I doing back then? Like you have no idea. Because this is something that my friend Richard Tate said to me, and this is kind of amazing, right? To to have a guy, Richard Tate is the CEO of Cliffside Malibu. He owns a place. Um, You know, three years ago, he took me in and he changed my life. And uh, the other day, I was at Gold's Gym working out with him. That's how cool shit is. Yeah. That's how cool life is. I'm at the gym with the CEO of a fucking rehab center, training with him as some kid comes up to us and says, oh my God, you did prescription thugs. And he's in prescription thugs. And he's like, that movie was amazing. And got guys going on and on about it. And Richard is like... You know, he said he, I forget the word he used, but he said it like a Jewish grandmother. He some word that was like gloating. I forget what he, what he said, but he's like, I'm like a Jewish grandmother over here. I'm so proud of you. Right. But what I'm saying is like, it's, it's cool. It's like, I, you know, I've, I've met these people, you know, and, and to be able to like hang out with, with people like that and hear the things that they say and the way that they put things in perspective is like flat out amazing. When we were training the other day. He said to me, well, slavery still exists in this country. And I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? He's like, people think slavery ended in 1865. We just call it the opiate epidemic now. Hmm. When you take those drugs, you're a slave. 
make no mistake about it, you are a slave to that drug. Mm. When you have a drug and you stop taking that drug and you feel like your skin is falling off and the only way to get rid of that pain is to take more of that drug, you don't need marketing. Yeah. To make billions of dollars. Right. All you need is to continue making that drug. And it's like those those things click in my mind where you have to think like, yes, this exists. Yes, this can take away pain. But there's a lot of money behind this, keeping this shit legal. And it's killing a lot of fucking people. Yeah. And nobody's saying a goddamn word about it. And that's that's what makes me mad. And that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Yeah. It's like, why why isn't anybody talking about this? This has killed so many people that I love and nobody's talking about it. Like nobody really cares. Yeah. You know, and it's really hard to get people to care um, unless they have somebody that's in it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so from like a Gabor Mate perspective, he, um, one of the things that we were talking about in a previous conversation that was on this, on this podcast was, uh, all of the various forms of slavery or addiction. So that's he actually says that exact same yeah. thing. Addiction is slavery. Very it's, interesting, right? So Man, power. I, and is and an I don't I don't mean to downplay slavery at all. That's not that's not I the don't think it is. It's not the point here. The point the point being that we have people that still control people. Um, we just do it yeah. through a different a different means, right? And so we we basically have the rich controlling the poor exactly. is what we have because in the states of Alabama, Tennessee, and West Virginia, there are more prescriptions for opioids than there are fucking people. Like, does that even register with people? There are more prescriptions for drugs written than there are people in the state, which means people from outside the state are Coming flocking there. into the state to get these thousands and thousands and thousands of pills that doctors are just writing for people and, you know, letting it go, letting it fly and the government's letting it fly and they've been cracking down on it and things have been getting better, but they're also still coming up with more powerful drugs all the time. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. I was reading something is something like 300 million, uh, people are utilizing um i think antidepressants i think it's like it's becoming the number one leading cause of disability in in the world Mm -hmm. i think by like 2020 or yeah one of those things i think right now people get really mad if you talk shit about antidepressants you don't think get really mad but um i i've seen it firsthand you know and i've seen both i should say i've seen both firsthand i've seen people that uh i don't know where i stand on it you know like i I am against it for the most part, but I also feel that there there's got to be con- there's got to be situations where there's obviously a need for it because you hear like, well, the guy went off his meds and he just went crazy, and it's like, right. well, was he crazy before he went on his meds? Because like that's <laughs> that's an issue too is that some of these drugs, like I saw my brother take Paxil and try to kill himself three times in a row, and never tried to kill himself before that. So to me, there's a, obviously there's there's some sort of. Uh, you know, cause and effect relationship there. Yeah. Uh, however, we can't say that happens with everybody with every drug, but antidepressants are shooting in the dark. We've never tested antidepressants on kids. We talk about all the time. Like we talk about this shit, like it's going out of fucking style yeah. that we can't let things like Kratom be on the market. Cause God forbid a kid would get their hands on it. Yet we shove methamphetamine, Adderall, Ritalin, everything down our children's throats Every day they go into the nurse's office. The nurse is supposed to be a practitioner of health care. Right. And they're sticking amphetamines in our kids' throats because the doctor said it was okay. 
Yeah. And people think that's fine. They're just fucking fine with it. They just roll with it. Just like, okay, cool. Go ahead. Yeah. And then I have parents. If I say something about it online, I have parents are like, how dare you say that? My son is on Adderall and he's done better in school. Well, go fuck yourself. Your kid did better in school. But what are you doing to him? Right. You know what I mean? My, 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 um, my aunt's daughter, my cousin, Casey, is so screwed up from Adderall and Ritalin her whole life. She's severely anorexic, like underweight. I wouldn't say anorexic, but she's underweight because of it, not on purpose. And the poor girl has struggled with suicide, depression, you know, everything, nervous tics, all this stuff from taking these drugs. And before she took the drugs, she just had a problem focusing, yeah. you know? And then you give these kids this drug. She's 11 years old with nervous tics. And it's like, you shouldn't be like that. And then by the time she's 18, she's trying to commit suicide. And like, nobody knows how to, how to handle this problem child. And you're like, is it a problem child or is it a problem with the, the society? My yeah. aunt was a cop and my aunt was an, she's an awesome person. There's, there's no way it was the parenting. You say, oh, look at the parents. She's got great parents. Something went wrong with that child. And I think it was because of the drugs, you know? So I, you know, I, I have to look at those things and take them into consideration when I consider, you know, my observations towards what these drugs are doing to society. Yeah. You know, I can't say in every case, like obviously Adderall's done great things for some people. Good. You know, obviously, uh, and, and pe obviously that we have people that are mature and responsible adults that say, well, shit, I'm a lawyer and I need Adderall to get through my day. Yeah. And that might be the case. You know, and it might be fine for some of those people. I'm not advocating it from a health standpoint, but it may be what that person needs to get to their next thing and they're adults and that's cool. But like I said, we're giving it to kids and we're not, we never tested it on kids. And those are the issues that I, I see because we're so worried about kids getting their hands on alcohol or this or that, but we prescribe them drugs that were meant for adults. Yeah. Well, it's like looking at addressing the mold as opposed to just addressing the product of the mold, you know? So every time we have these, you know, these, these faulty products and we're like, Oh, we got to fix the product. You know, yeah, that's like a pharmaceutical it. thing, mm -hmm. you know, but we're, we're not even thinking about the culture, the society, like all the things that they're sure, like, what if we took away, um, we have this problem with attention, uh, deficit disorder, right? Sure. Hyperactivity and all. Yeah. But what if we took away the iPads, what if we took away the phones? What if we took away the things that are causing it? Right? Do you think they're causing it? I think so. Yep. <laughs> you ever drive in LA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever see anybody drive without their phone in their hand? Right. <laughs> you know, you ever see anybody that's that's paying attention when they're driving? Like, you know, it's like I that's... think I think that's crying for relationship. I think that's crying for connection. Like when I see, because I because I could, experience this myself, it could, be, my, it could be part of that same thing that we talked about. You know, we're not we're not all living in Rat Park. Right, you know? dude. Yeah, you know, maybe we should be. I think it's it's the relationships, and the more that we get caught up in in you know having these artificial connections, and I have eight billion friends on the whatever, you know, and it's like we get so driven towards this kind of more like autonomous focus. You know what's really weird in in LA, and I've noticed this happening like over the past couple of years, and it might be me, right? So I live in this nice neighborhood in a nice house in Venice Beach with my girlfriend. And like, we don't have any connections right here. Like I know the neighbor here and I know the neighbor right. here, kind of, totally, barely, yeah. but I have no idea who lives across the street and I, yeah. lives, like, I have no idea. And I don't care to know 
I've never, I, I do care to know. I wish I knew, but I've never gone out of my way to knock on their door and say, hi, I'm Chris. I'm your neighbor. I'd like to meet you. <laughs> I want to know more about you. You live right here. Like I need connections. I need friends yeah. in the area. What if I need to borrow a cup of sugar? Right. Well, I don't eat sugar, but right. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but, more butter. Butter. Yeah, yeah. More butter. <laughs> but you know, you know what I mean? But like maybe, you know, and you go, well, it's just as much my fault as it is my neighbor's fault for not coming over and saying hi to me. But we've lost that in society uh, where we're too busy looking at our cell phones that sometimes we don't stop and say, how are you doing today to the person who's, you know, buying gas from us or buying, you know, whatever, whatever. like you go into a store and there's like, there's no interaction because the, the kid's on the phone. Yeah. You go into a store. I like to, I like those little interactions every day. Totally. Hey, how you doing, man? What's going on? Hey. You know, and you see the guy every day and you throw, you know, you throw the money down. Those little relationships, they've actually done studies on those little relationships. Those little mini relationships that we have with people that we see every day actually add up and are very important to our overall, totally. contribute to our over, overall happiness, right? So if everybody that we talk to is on a cell phone every time that we try to talk to them, we don't get that same bond or same, you know, connection or this the same thing out of it and so I, I i've been thinking about those kind of things lately you know i get into these weird moods where i think about weird shit like yeah. that and you know i do that intentionally almost like therapeutically because i'll feel myself spending too much time on my computer or my cell phone or whatever sure. it is and when i do go buy some apples or whatever some butter from the grocery store i'll like intentionally drop in with the cashier because i know that i need yeah. it yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll start kind of drifting away into sure. like this. I think we're all guilty of it. I'm just as guilty. Like somebody will say, I just saw Chris on his phone and he was, yeah. Right. And, and I'll be like, you know what, dude, you're right. Because every once in a while, like, you know, it's, it's so weird because, um, it's like, what is like Pavlov's dog? Like when yeah, the yeah. bell goes off. So like my phone actually has a bell as like the tech, like ding, whenever, yeah, every time right. I get a text. Right. So it dings and I'm like, boom, I gotta like, look, I, I can't ding. It can't ding and have more of more than like ten seconds before I look at. It. Like yeah. I, I have to look at it before the alert goes away. Yeah, I'll force myself not to look at it, but I'm like just waiting to uh, look there, at there's it. There's nothing like <laughs> it, it, like if we were sitting here right now and my phone dinged, I'd be like, hey, yeah, right. yeah. I'd make believe I was paying attention, but I would right. I would look, you know, I, I would. Yeah, be, we're training ourselves. I gotta make sure it. it's off now. Yeah, right, so exactly. Like, Mine is officially an airplane mode. I flex yeah, that quite yeah, a bit. Yeah. But you know, it's it's funny because we don't often think about things like that and we're yeah. walking around oblivious it's it's just as bad as being is walk around uh checked out on on pills you know like exactly. you're you're, you're still checked out so i think that um the ultimate warrior was a guy that i always looked up to he was a pro wrestler and he was a maniac right. but you know after after he was done wrestling he did a bunch of youtube videos and his youtube videos were inspirational and he said he has two words of advice for every kid out there Every single living human being can live by these two words. Pay attention. Hmm. Just yeah, pay attention. Dude. Yeah. And he said, think about it. If you pay attention to everything you do, if you just pay attention, and I think you think about it and you go like, you know what? You know how I got through USC? I went to USC. I never read a book. I went to class every day and I paid attention. Hmm. I went to every single, I never skipped class. I never was not there for class. I was always on time for class. I always had my book. I was always ready to study, but I never actually studied. I just paid attention in class. Hmm. And I'm like, man, the ultimate warrior was right. I showed up and I paid attention and I got through school, a really hard school, um, without doing all the necessary 
you know, busy work that everybody else was really doing because they weren't going to class, you know? So I just think that in general, that, that were that piece of advice, like when my brother died and I said, I was checked out, I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. You know, when, when usually when you get into a car accident or something, you weren't paying attention. The, when you're not paying attention is when accidents can happen. And when you're closely attentive to everything you do, it's really hard to screw things up. Yeah. I, I think that's just a, the point, you know, Keep, yeah. pay attention. Like uh, I, it goes for addiction, pay attention to your body. Pay attention to and and do things uh, for yourself. That was the other the other thing that he, he talks about. You know, he said, "I'm gonna go into my weight room, and I'm going to be with myself for a while. I'm going to listen to my body. Right. I'm gonna hear my heartbeat. Mm. I'm gonna listen to my own heartbeat, and I'm gonna destroy these fucking weights." Right. And you're like, you know what, dude? That's what it's all about. It's yeah. like that <laughs> essence of like that, that essence of like we're talking about like um we bond with people but then we also need that time where there's that eye of the tiger time when we're alone and we can focus and we can crush what we need to do whether it's writing a screenplay or a documentary or recording a podcast or you know or writing your questions for a pod, whatever it is you need to focus you need that time where you can break away and you can focus and you can kill it you know yeah. so i think we need those balances i think you do a great job of um you're one of the people that i look to uh, you know, just for little tips on how to ground ourselves, Thanks, man. you know, like, so you came over and you brought a bunch of tea. You're like, this will relax you. I'm like, well, good. Cause I'm always looking for shit to get to, to get fired up. And I forget about the balance, right? Life's all about balance. Right. And if we can achieve, uh, I heard somebody say something awesome the other day. It was on the document. It was on the trailer for the CrossFit movie, which I like those CrossFit movies a lot. I think they're really cool. The, the, um, ones that Heber did on uh, Netflix, right? But I heard somebody say in the trailer for the new one, which I haven't seen yet, say champions don't know anything about balance and that's why they're champions. They go so far into one thing, it's all they focus on and care about. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? That's so true because like what is real like what is the essence of life? What is the real thing that we're all searching for and it's balance, right? right. And so like if you're a champion for the time that you're a champion, you can't really have balance. You just sort of have to be out of balance for a while, yeah. you know, but then like those champions will tell you when they're done with their career, I was all about this. And now I'm more about the, you know, like even Lance Armstrong, when I spoke to him, I was all about the bike. Now I'm more about my life, you know, like I actually have a life outside of that. And I never realized that cause it was all about the bike, you know? Right. So it's, you know, I think, you know, people are looking for balance and when we don't have balance and our life is out of balance, that's when we go to drugs and all these other crazy things. You know? Yeah. I heard speaking of sport coaches, there's a, there's a coach that I heard, uh, I don't remember his name, but said something along the lines of the key to a successful team or successful athlete is knowing enough that you can put, you know, your whole heart and soul into it, but not too much to realize that it's, it doesn't actually mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So you can find that sweet spot where you can become obsessed with how important it is, but you don't want to go too far because you're like, none of this fucking matters. The, 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 the bottom line with athletics is this, right? The, the really, the really interesting and fucked up part of athletics is this. You could train all day. You could lift all day. You know, I could do, I could do all this stuff. And then like come some guy like you, that's like six, four and shredded. And I'm like, Fuck. You know what I mean? Like every time, no matter what we do athletically, there's always going to be somebody that that's a freak 
that maybe doesn't have to try as hard. Hey, I that, try. No, you, you try. You try. You definitely try. You, you've put yourself. But I'm saying like, you, you know the people. Absolutely. You know the people that don't try at all and they're shredded. And you know the people that, that don't, you know, I, I know people that put in a little effort and can fucking beat me at anything athletically. Yeah. Like very little effort. They're just freaks, you know? And so, you know, when you, when you're trying to look at, um, accomplishing things, you know, athletically, you always have to look at yourself and you always have to compare yourself to yourself or you'll never get anywhere. I think, you know, I think when I was powerlifting, uh, all I really cared about was, uh, was chasing bigger numbers, you know, for myself, not trying to, if I tried to beat Ed Cohn, I'd be shooting myself in the foot right. squatted a thousand pounds I was squatting 675 so I'm not even close so why am I trying to get, you know what I mean like we need and, and we need to be realistic in our goals no matter what they are uh, people will come to me in Gold's Gym and they'll say I want to make a documentary right hey bro I got an idea I want to make a documentary you know what it's going to be about it's going to be about medical marijuana I'm like okay there's about 465 of those on Netflix alone right. so what are you going to do that's different Right. Well, I don't know, but it's going to be different. We should go out and raise some money. It's like, dude, it doesn't work that way, you know? And, right. and I think that that's what people like also need to know about their own lives is like things don't work that way. Nobody's going to give you anything. And I always thought, I even think to this day, I still sometimes think like somebody's going to walk up and hand me a TV show. Right. Somebody's going to walk up and hand me a movie because I did bigger, stronger, it doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. Yeah. Every single thing that I have, every new movie, every new project, every everything I, I fight for, everything you have to plow through. I have a um, a TV show that I just signed a deal with to do with uh, John Cena is the pro- is producing it with me. Oh, cool! But we have a we have a deal, we have a signed contract, we have all that stuff together, but we still have to go through the production company still has to okay it, and if they don't okay it, then it's dead in the water, right? Yeah. So it's like it doesn't matter who it's with what it is it doesn't it doesn't really matter nobody's going to give you anything you have to keep working at every single thing and then when you get that thing you have to work even harder to keep it you know and i think um that was a lesson i learned after bigger stronger faster where i was like i'm going to finish this movie and my life is going to be golden like and so i i finished the movie and bet your ass i got uh, agent at william morris and i did did all the i it was great all these great things were happening uh, but it's really short lived and then you're not hot anymore. Right. You know? So what happened was for a year I was like the hot thing and everybody was talking about me behind the scenes and I was getting all these big scripts and all this stuff like that. But when nothing panned out in that time period, I had to go back to what I just did. I mean, I went and made trophy kids like on my own you know, with like literally with no crew. Like, so on bigger, stronger, faster, I had raised money. I had a whole crew, I had a whole team of people. And I ended up back out by myself with a camera in my hand because nobody wanted to give me any money to do something. Mm-hmm. So I went and started shooting stuff and I showed that to people and I raised the money through, you know, through doing that. And I think that that's like, those are good lessons to learn. Like nobody's going to hand you anything. I wanted to take a brief moment and thank 
Sun Warrior for supporting this podcast. They are, in my opinion, the most delicious vegan protein that I've found. Um, they are raw, sprouted, and fermented for increased bioavailability and general deliciousness. Um, I hope you guys enjoy that stuff. Grab yourself 15% off on any purchase at sunwarrior.com and then throw in the Align code at checkout and get yourself 15% off. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Here we go. Back to the show. You know, you have to yeah, I've, fight. I've heard from a lot of people that like, that like, you know, upon making it, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever, getting sure. to the point where like they have, you know, infinite money or not infinite, but it's you know, yeah. more, more than they need. Uh, kind of like a feeling of um, almost like, like postpartum depression. Yeah. What do you do now? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's fun to watch that. I'm watching that with my brother right now. Like he's really doing well with uh, slingshot yeah. and super training. and Which I highly recommend the slingshot, by the yeah. way. I give that to like, I need to get an affiliate thing with that because I his, recommend uh, it to everybody. Yeah. His YouTube channel. <laughs> Um, it's a uh, super training 06. It's been like going wild. He's been doing these vlogs. Yeah. So he calls it hustle mania and it's just like, you know, it's just following his life. But like that, I was, I was watching it yesterday. I was like, that's the stuff that people want to see. They want to see, um, him in action, him making decisions, him, you know, he's just putting his business on online. He's showing people what he does. Right. And everybody's like, aren't you scared that people are going to, he's like, fuck no. Yeah. If you're scared of that, you're amateur hour, you know, like, don't be scared. I always say that to people too, when they come up to me with an idea, don't be amateur hour. If you have something to tell me, then come up and pitch me. The only, you only live once, right? Mm. You're going to die with that idea in your head. Is that what you're going to do? Because you're afraid to share it with somebody. You're afraid somebody's going to steal your idea. Like, look, if, so if you're afraid somebody's going to steal your idea, you need to just register it first. It's as simple as that with the Writers Guild. But you need to be able to share that idea so that idea can flourish. An idea left alone will go nowhere. But an idea that's, you know, you water it and you flirt, it flirt. You know, so what I do is I come up with an idea and I'll tell people I trust. I'll just start bullshitting about it. Yeah. And, you know, usually I'd like beat around the book. I'm like a comedian. Like I work my material. Like, so if I want to do something about uh, the ketogenic diet, I'll just start talking to you about it. And you'll be like, you know, what's fascinating. They found that it helps cure brain cancer. And I'm like, exactly. Right. And I'm like, okay, now I'm putting together the things that people are identifying about the ketogenic diet, which is by the way, the next movie I'm working on. But there you start to put together pieces of the puzzle that people are going to want to hear about. And you start collecting you know, pieces for your movie and, and different. You, you get out of your head with it. You know, that's like, yeah. that's something that I've, I've found. Like I'm releasing this aligned movement thing right now that, you know, I talk about in the intros and I'm getting feedback from people cause they're, you know, going to be in the thing. Yeah. And I'm hearing now all of a sudden, instead of it just being like, this is going to be perfect. And this is, it's, I'm hearing real fucking people from all around the world saying like, this is what it could be. This is, you know, it's like it becomes, yeah. it gives life. Sure, right. So, and then also like who you're hurting by doing that, right? Like, so it's like, if somebody said, Aaron, you're going about it all wrong, bro. It shouldn't, it's like, <laughs> who fucking cares what that dude says? But like, the thing is, maybe that guy also says you're going about it all wrong. You should do it like this. And maybe he's got a good idea. Right. So right. it's also like, I always say this, I tell people all the time, if you have an idea for me, 
don't be afraid to send it just because I'll talk shit on like, you know, on a podcast like this. I'll be like, oh, people come up to me with ideas and they, they, but they're not fleshed out. I'm like, just send it to me, but just flesh it out. Just pit, like, tell me what you want to do so that we don't have to guess. And I think that that happens with a lot of people. And I would, I would give this piece of advice to anybody who wants to contact anybody. So the way that you got in touch with me, you're like, Hey, I really like your films. I have been to your brother's gym. I want to come work on you, right? So you offered me value, first of all. Yeah. You offered me value right off the bat. Sure, dude, come over and work. I was like, work on me right now. I'm fucked up. You know, but but the thing is that you offered value. And if you didn't offer value, I probably would have still met with you and we'd be sitting here. we We would have done this like anyway because your approach was good, right? But the fact was that you approached, you did the approach. And a lot of people will talk about well, I want to get this guy on this, my podcast and this, and they never do it. Right. So, you know, we, the, my brother and I always talk about the difference between the winners and the losers are like the people that do shit and the people that don't do shit. And that's all it is. Yeah. Like this guy over here with a billion dollars, like Bill Gates with billions and billions of dollars. He did a bunch of shit. This guy right. over here with no money. He didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of that simple. Right. And some people can get a lot from not doing anything, but you know, even Kim Kardashian, who people are like, well, she doesn't do anything. Like, Fuck yeah, she does something. Right. Are you kidding me? She works out that ass. She she she, wor- <laughs> she works a lot, man. Like don't, you know, and don't don't let that don't, don't let people. I don't know anything about it. But, but don't let people fool you. You know, and, and it's like it's like everybody thinks that everything's handed out. You know, like because we we want things to be easy. That's why we love saying oh that guy was on steroids we want we want that guy to be on steroids because we can't do that so we we can't we can't work for what lance armstrong did we'll never get there so we'll just blame it on the steroids you know like steroids work five thousand times better than they do because like the thing is i couldn't compete one leg of that race even if i trained for like a fucking year (laughs) so no matter what i'm not you know i mean like no matter what steroids what drugs what this what that it doesn't make any difference yeah you know i think the winners are gonna win and losers are gonna lose so i'm curious for you in relation to kind of in relation to is it kratom or kratom kratom ah either way okay um so in relation to that and addiction and such um, how did you start kind of assuming there was voids to fill? How did you start filling the voids to get to a point where drugs didn't become the most important thing in your life? Uh, well, rehab helped me a lot with that. And I, I should credit um, the program of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, I think is a great program. It's free. Yeah. Uh, the thing is that when you go to rehab, what they do is like you, you get into rehab for, for the most part. And they bring you to AA, you know, uh, the rehab that I went to was, uh, Cliffside Malibu, which is, uh, I got really, really lucky. So I, um, I was making a movie prescription thugs and I was in the middle of the movie and I relapsed on drugs. Right. So one of the guys I interviewed in the movie, Richard Tate, um, was able to take me in at Cliffside at a rate that I could afford basically like, Hey, what can you pay us? You know, and it's like barely anything. Okay, cool. We'll take it, you know, basically like that. So, um, I got help, a lot of help. Right. Uh, most people don't get that. Fucking get help. Yeah. Like most people don't get that. And so that's why, um, I actually decided to do a documentary that we're going to do net, uh, coming up soon about, um, health insurance for people with addiction and how we can fix that system because under Donald Trump's new plan, 1.3 million drug addicts will lose their uh, policies that would allow them to go to rehab. 
Right. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're just facing a bigger mess. Um, it's not Donald Trump's fault. It's the fault of uh, the fact that even, even with Obamacare, um, there was issues with the rehabs and people like the insurance companies don't like to pay for rehab because they feel like you did it to yourself. Yeah. If you get cancer, they're like, oh, well, that guy, poor guy got cancer, yeah. but they don't understand the slavery thing that we were talking about before. Like right. it becomes not your fault. You know, you went in with a, a sprained ankle and you come out a drug addict. It's like, you never really intended that, yeah. you know, and people, oh, well, they took them themselves, but we just said you get addicted and you, you don't know any better. Right. So you go, you go back to being a five-year-old, you know? So, um, so yeah, so for me, the, the biggest thing for me was when I was in rehab, uh, I came up with this thing in my own head cause I always do, uh, called <laughs> everybody talk about sober living, going to sober living. So I would say, I'm going to go to sober lifting nice. every morning. Cool. And that's what I called it. And I woke up every day we had to be, uh, we had a meeting every day at 7am so I was up every day at like 5.30. I'd be at the gym by 6. And I'd be back for my meeting. Like I'd literally pull in the driveway every day, walk into the house, grab a cup of coffee and walk into the meeting and be like, let's rock. And people were like, every day people were like mad at me. Like, how are you up this early? You're in fucking rehab. Like chill the fuck out. Right. And I'm like, no, because you know, the thing was, I was so bad for so many years that like now I'm in rehab. Like I want to get up. I want to train. Like, you know, I don't want to be here stuck in these rehab uh, group group sessions with you guys. I, I want to do something fun today. And the only thing that I could think of that was fun was getting up earlier than everybody else and getting to the gym and getting my day started. And, and like, you know, while um, I just got it in every day, I was able to get it in every day. And by getting I, I was like 255 pounds or something when I went into rehab. Mm -hmm. So by being able to um, go to rehab and reestablish my eating habits and the way I trained and all. I basically like went like keto in rehab. You know, yeah. I was like, okay, fuck it. I'm going to just basically like, I, I didn't go fully keto because I was coming off a lot of alcohol and alcohol sugar. So I craved sugar a lot at that time. And I didn't eat like a ton of sugar, but I definitely, you know, I basically ate uh, a lot of protein, um, decent amount of fat and a, a lot of uh, fruits and vegetables. So my carbs, if I had them, came from fruit, you know, yeah. um, but that greatly reduced my weight um, down to a point where, um, you know, I got down to like maybe from like 245 or 250 down to like 220 maybe. And so when I left rehab, I was like, you know, uh, I need to change the way I eat. Otherwise, you know, I'm going to be miserable at two, five, six, 240 or whatever. So I was like, I'm going to be miserable. Like at this weight. So I just went on a, um, a ketogenic diet, right. Which is high fat, low carb. And in, so I, I had a film that I worked on called the resurrection of Jake, the snake that went to slam dance film festival. When that went to slam dance film festival, I went to the festival in park city, Utah, with Diamond Dallas Page, Jake the Snake Roberts, and Razor Ramon, <laughs> Scott Hall, who, who used to be. So I went with all these pro wrestlers, and I was talking about my diet and how I needed to change everything I was doing. And, blah, and uh, I was like, I'm just not going to eat carbs while I'm here. I just said it for some stupid reason. And they held me to it. They're like, fuck bullshit. You're not, you're going to eat carbs. Like, you know, there's no way. 
and we were there for 15 days and I, I ate no carbs mm. and I lost like, I think like 17 pounds or something like that. Like it was crazy. I just like dropped my weight. I was, I was down to like almost 200 pounds. So I was like, you know what, when I get home, I'm just going to keep this rolling. Yeah. And I did, I kept it rolling for like, I think I stayed in ketosis for like 45 days or something like that. And, um, I did that for a while. And I got to a point where I just, um, I just got sick of it, you know? And, um, then I just started running wild on sugar again. But when I ran wild on sugar again, I started feeling a lot of the same, uh, issues that I had when I was addicted to drugs. Like a lot of the same behaviors existed. Um, so more recently I went, you know, in the beginning of this year, I just went back to like cutting out sugar and cutting out. Uh, carbs in general for me, which cause a problem. So I just overeat like bottom line. So easy way for me to restrict my calorie was to go back on a ketogenic diet, which, um, reverses the inflammation issues I have, like gets rid of it. Like it's done. It's gone. Um, gets rid of, it just gets rid of a lot of problems for me, you know, because I have a lot of health issues and it's something that fixes a lot of different health issues, you know? And, um, it's like people, people like to argue with me about it all the time. And I tell people like, it's probably not for you. Cause that's how I really feel about it. I yeah. feel about like, it isn't for everybody right. and it isn't something that pe- everybody has to do and carbs aren't bad, but I feel like for me, it's the only thing I can do. It keeps me out of pain. Right. And it keeps me and it keeps my brain functioning at a high level. And, um, and so that like, I think finding something like the ketogenic diet for me was like a way out of addiction. It's like, so now I think of food, like I think of sobriety, right? So, um, when we know that sugar is one of the most addictive substances on on the planet, it's more, it's eight times as addictive as cocaine. So if, if you want to cut addiction out of your life, cut sugar, right? You know, and people will be like, that's fucking crazy. You know, the people will think that's so crazy. But like I cut alcohol out, what's the big deal? Yeah. Nothing has changed. The only thing that's changed is my life has gotten exponentially better. My relationship with my girlfriend has gotten exponentially better. My relationships with my friends have gotten exponentially better. The only thing that happened by getting rid of alcohol were good. The only thing that happened by getting rid of sugar are good. Yeah. There's no bad that comes out of it, you know? And I think it's for, for me, and we got to wrap up soonish, but um, if I go dark, I'll get much darker. You know, so if I, if I, if I get a little bit of that momentum Mm -hmm. and that's honestly a big reason of why I do the podcast, why I teach workshops, why I do freaking anything, because it puts me in this place of like, okay, I got to show up. Yeah. Accountability. Accountability. Yeah. When we did the resurrection of Jake, the snake, which is a fantastic movie. If anybody hasn't seen it, it's on Netflix. Uh, all my films are on Netflix, uh, Prescription Thugs, Trophy Kids, and Bigger, Stronger, Faster. However, The Resurrection of Jake the Snake, the reason I can say it's great is because I didn't make it. The movies I made, I, will, I'll know, I won't be like, you got to see it, it's great. Right. You know? but, but they are great. But, but. My, <laughs> my friend, Steve Yu, um, is best friends with Diamond Dallas Page. He's like his camera guy, and Diamond Dallas Page was a, a big popular wrestler who just got nominated into the... WWE Hall of Fame so I congratulate him on that mm. and they called me one day and they said hey look look we got this uh, well actually they didn't call me what happened I was watching YouTube right a long time ago this kid Steve had called me and talked to me about making a movie um, about you know inspiring people to get involved in fitness and I was like what? whatever dude like you know I don't know like cool yeah go do it you know and um, 
you know, he didn't really know what he was wanting to do. And, you know, I was like, so I was like, okay, well, you know, when you figure it out, call me back. Yeah. So he started putting out YouTube videos. And as part of his inspirational YouTube videos, he puts out this video where Scott Hall, who used to be Razor Ramon, who was like a hero of mine growing up and who my brother wrestled against in WWF back nice. in the day. You know, he's on the phone with Diamond Dallas Page and Jake the Snake and he's crying and he's like, I, I need help, man. I'm going to fucking die. I need your help. I, I'm so drunk right now. He's like, all I've had, it's 5 p.m. And all I've had to eat today is vodka. And I just started crying. I just started bawling. Yeah. And I'm like, that's my fucking brother. Like, my brother was still alive at the time. Yeah. You know, or, no, actually, no, my brother had passed. This was after my brother had passed. So I was like, that's the same calls I would get from my brother. And I get choked up even just talking about it. Yeah. And I fucking identified that in, in a heartbeat. And I called that kid. And I said, what are you doing with these videos? And he's like, whoa, what are you, like, you know, like kind of like, what are you, I said, what are you doing with this? He goes, I'm just uh, putting it on YouTube. I go, take it off of YouTube. And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you, I'm like, take that shit down. Like, dude, this has got to be a fucking movie. It is so dramatic. It is so good. Mm. It's got to be a fucking movie, right? So I'm going crazy about it because I was pumped. And uh, I think at the time, I think I was, um, I was trying to get sober myself. So it meant a lot to me, yeah. you know? So a year later, I get a phone call from this kid, Steve. And he's like, hey, man, I'm just seeing what you're up to. And I was in rehab, you know? I was like, well, and he tells me about, you know, hey, we, uh, we finally got a rough cut of the movie done. So I was thinking he was talking about his inspirational fitness movie. I haven't talked to the kid for like a year and a half. Well, he's talking about this movie they did about Jake the Snake, based on one conversation that we had where I was so adamant and went so crazy that they had to make a movie that he hung up the phone and he talked to Dallas Page and said, we got to make, Chris Bell says we got to make this a movie. It better be a fucking movie because he's going to be pissed if, right. if, we, if it's not, whatever. So, <laughs> so Dallas is like, well, does he want to be involved? Like, what does he want? You know, so uh, long story short is I flew to Atlanta and they sat me down and they said, okay, ready? Okay, here, watch this. And they hit play. And I sat there for an hour and a half just like in awe of this movie like what like what the fuck is this and why did i not know this was going on as you were doing this this is incredible right so they had this whole you know the whole thing like all laid out but they were missing like these little elements you know like when you watch a movie uh when you watch somebody move you can say ah oh, you're just missing like if you just tilt your hips a little bit if you right. just point your toes a little bit if you just you know That's and you can tweak it right yeah. so watching this movie i'm like oh if we you know um Diamond Dallas Page was inspired by Jake the Snake Roberts to become a professional wrestler. Mm. And when Diamond Dallas Page worked at a strip club, Jake the Snake used to come in all the time and say, kid, you should get in the ring. You're a big kid, you know? And um, that, that's what inspired him to get involved. And Jake the Snake was his first trainer. I'm like, why is that not in the movie? Right. And like, oh, we didn't even think about it. I'm like, you got to interview him now. And that's got to go like, that's got to be the first thing you hear is like, I wanted to be a wrestler because Jake the Snake Roberts was the most badass wrestler of the time. And I wanted to be just like him. Mm -hmm. And then later on, you have Dallas come to the rescue because what happens is Jake the Snake Roberts throughout his career. A lot of people know this. He became a crack addict. And so he was a crack addict for like 15 years. Um, 
you know, just wandering the streets and uh, being uh, estranged from his family uh, on TMZ, flashing the crowd, doing like it's just like this insane movie. And you get to watch it all kind of unfold and you get to watch, you know, a nice, happy ending. It ends good. You know, yeah. it ends in a way where people can uh, they can be proud of it, you know, and, and be happy, you know, and it's kind of funny, like knowing all those guys growing up around wrestling and then like being able to be part of something like that, you know. Do you see any, um, we really will actually wrap up here, her after I want to, at least this question, do you see any kind of connection with the way that you produce a good film, how that relates, like how you do anything is how you do everything kind of thing. Have you learned the approach to creating a film, how that could kind of like spill into you know, life? I, yeah. You know, I've learned a lot lately. I think about, um, about being an auteur, right? And what that word means and why it exists. And when I was in film school at USC, they always just talk about like, you know, Alfred Hitchcock is a true auteur. Like he's, he didn't write it. He just directed this movie, but like it's got his stamp on it. And um, when I was in film school, my, my teachers, all the kids in my film school would say it's got the Chris Bell stamp. Mm. Like they just, they, people knew when I did something. Like they, they would say, and my teacher would like say, it's got the stamp, you know? And so everybody kind of knew that about me. Like I had this, this thing that people know. So I, when, when I'm like, I don't know how to make a good movie. I just know how to tell a story as it's coming out of my mouth. Like I, I don't know necessarily like I, I know the rules of making a movie, but every time I write a script, people tell me it's wrong. Every time I write um, I write a document. People tell me it's wrong. Every, every time I write a script, people tell me like, I'm not interested in this. I don't want to do it. But if I pitch you the idea and you hear it audibly, you'll fucking want to do it. Mm. And like, that's what, that's where my strength lies is in telling the story. Right. So I can't tell it on paper. It doesn't come out good. Right. I can't write a book and have it be good. Cause it doesn't come out good. So like if I try to tell people, like, I want to do these scripted movies, and I kind of want to do scripted movies like without too much of a script because I feel like, well, we'll just fucking create it when we're there. Like I know what needs to happen in this scene. I know where we need to get to. Why do I need to write all that corny dialogue? Won't the, can't the actors just come up? Like I put you in a situation like improv it. Right. Like you're doing the dishes and the fucking guy comes in and yells at you. Like fucking go. Yeah. <laughs> like what, what's so, you know, so, so a lot of, a lot of times and a lot of things that I do, have a lot of improvisation in my head. They're free. They're free flowing. They're open. You know, they're they're not uh, contained. I don't close anything. I, I don't. I don't. Um, tr I try not to uh, live by rules when I'm making a movie. You know, I try to think like people are like. Oh, you can't do that. People say it all the time. You can't do this and you can't do that. I do everything that people say you can't do. You can't use Arnold Schwarzenegger movie movies in your documentary because Arnold Schwarzenegger will sue you. I said, bring it on, Arnold. Mm. Go ahead, because I know that you can't. I know what the, you know, you, you, if you know, if you, if you make the film that you want to see, people right. will rally behind it and they will protect it. Right. So that's what we did. We made the movie we wanted to see and the lawyers watched it and said, well, what's Arnold going to say? Right. You know, not, not like he couldn't sue us. He could totally sue me and he could probably win some money if he, if he wanted to for something. Right. But is he going to? No, it's a big, it's too much of a hassle. You know, are these people going to come after you? Probably not because it's such a, 
you know, thing, but you have to take chances so that you can say what you want to say. You know, you can do a movie and half-ass it and be, every time you see a, a documentary or a movie that pulls punches, it's the first thing the critics will call out. Yeah. The first thing. Like, God, this movie is like, it's like, you know, every time something's like 60% on Rotten Tomatoes, it's like, I was almost there. You know, it was like, it was, it was almost, you know, I, I even feel that sometimes about uh, prescription thugs because I feel my partner, Greg Young, did a fantastic job, but I feel like I, I owe him. I left him high and dry. Hmm. Like I left him to edit that movie and I was fucked up in rehab while he was editing the movie and didn't have me. Hmm. So now we're working on a movie together again. Right. And you said, what do you learn? Where, where'd you, where'd you, what did you do to become more mindful? Right. Yeah. So on prescription thugs, we shot all these interviews and I'd write all the questions and whatever. But usually when I do interviews, I just walk in and ask questions. I don't write anything down. That's better. I don't care. You know, um, because I want to know off, I want to know from, but you have to do some research because you have to say, well, look in 1987, you lied to the government right. and you said, you know, you have to know that stuff. So you have to research it enough to know about the people, but I don't like actually writing specific questions necessarily. Um, but on this movie, I did write questions on this movie. I watched every interview on this movie. I, I gave every single note on every single line that I want in the movie. I went through every interview and I outlined everything. I'm like, I want this, 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 like, you know, and just like, let's just start putting together scenes of these people. And like, so what I learned was that by being more hands-on, um, by being more hands-on, I can be more hands-off if it makes any sense totally. at all. Absolutely. And what it means is that I haven't talked to my editors in two weeks on the phone, via email, nothing. They're just fucking working. And I know they're I mean, we've texted. You guys working? Yeah, we're cranking, man. We have so many notes that, like, we'll see you in two weeks with an awesome movie. You know what I mean? Like, that's how it works. Yeah. Because I did the work. I put in the work. And what I'm doing um, right now is working on sort of the ending of the movie while they're working on the beginning of the movie. So I'm on the third act. And they're on the first act, the editors. So they're they're putting all, chopping all the pieces, putting it all together. And then um, what will happen is they'll finally catch up to me. And when they catch up to me, I'll be watching the beginning of the movie and making it pretty. Right. Putting all the B-roll in, finding, you know, more cool news stories, more cool shots, more, you know. And, and I think that, like you said, like you, getting back to your question is like that how you do everything. And yeah, you know, yes, like you do you. I call it full bore. My nickname has always been bore. Like when I was a kid, uh, my brother used to call me wild, like, you know, wild boar cause I was short and stocky and I used to be really clumsy and break a lot of shit. So they, when, um, the lion King came out, they said I was like Pumbaa. Right. They used to call me boar. <laughs> so everybody calls me boar. So we used to say as a play on words, full bore, which is usually B O R E, which I know, right. but we say go full bore. It means like go a hundred percent all the time in everything you do. Yeah. And so we always say that, you know, full bore. I had full bore, you know, pictures and I, you know, it was part of my production company. All that. So I live by that motto because I feel like, what else are you going to do? Yeah. You know, like if I want, if I want something, I need to go get it. You know, it sucks. Like, you know, I, I don't end up on Joe Rogan's podcast by accident. You know, I don't end up 
doing like hanging out with Lance Armstrong by accident, everything, everything takes a lot of work. You know, those relationships take a lot of work. Those friendships, they, they take work to, to get to that level. Um, and you know, navigate those scenarios. Uh, it takes some skill and some work to be able to, uh, to do that stuff, you know, and I, I've, I've been able to do all that stuff like because I've, what, what I've done in the past and because I like to be real and honest with people and I don't burn people, you know? So when somebody like talks to me or does an interview with me, they can be sure that they're not getting burned, you right. know, that they're not getting screwed over that, you know, like uh, the congressman in bigger, stronger, faster, he might be mad at me, but that's what he actually said, you know? So I didn't manipulate anything he said. I don't throw people under the bus. I don't believe in any of that stuff. I just believe in like, you know, sit down and you're going to tell me the truth. Right. And, um, like I said, the, things don't happen by accident, though. When people are like, oh, you're so lucky you got on Joe Rogan's podcast. And I was like, I called him like 20 times to try to get a, right. on his podcast. You know <laughs> what I mean? But like he wanted me on his podcast. But then when I had to follow up, he's the one who asked me. But when I had to follow up about it, it was like, you know, it, it's you have to stay on it or you don't. Yeah. You're not going to just you're not going to just magically be on it. I'm not at that level yet. You know, right. there's a song by Meek Mill. That's the best song ever about life in the entertainment business and it says there's levels to this shit mm. you know he's like we don't it's like we don't drive the same whips we don't bang the same chicks because there's levels to this shit right and it's like right. and it's like you're not on my level yet right and i feel like there is levels to this shit right there there's a lot of levels to this business uh in any business anything that you work in you got to work your way up right and you got to know where you are uh, as for you, for example, as a practitioner, working yeah. with people, coaching people, training people, getting people in alignment, doing, you know, doing all there, there is a certain hierarchy to that where Absolutely. you're going to get up to talking to, um, you know, Michael Leahy, who's the guy who invented, I think that's his name, right? They invented active release or something. So you're going you're to be working with the top guy one day and, and you're going to be right there with them. You know, and it's like, like you, there's work to get there. There's levels to get there, you know, yeah. or you'll be the guy that says, well, I don't just, you know, I'm not working with top ART. I'm working with top every guy, sure. you know, I'm doing all these modalities or I've turned it into my own system and then people will learn that system. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I love that kind of stuff because, um, I feel like there can never be enough systems. You know, like if sure. that makes any sense too. like, I feel like, uh, like I want to develop a system where I can write a book and people can make a documentary. I want to develop a system for people to, uh, successfully utilize the ketogenic diet, not just use it as I'm some sort of hack that's going to write a diet book and you're going to lose a pound a day. Right. Shit doesn't work that way. Right. I want to write, you know, the, the real deal. Like here, here's my story. Here it is. And I, you know, I just feel like, um, as we go through this life and we only live it once, if we have more knowledge than somebody, we, we kick it over to them and if, and they can decide what to do with it or not, you know? And, um, you know, I try not to pay too much attention to the internet because if I do, I, I won't put out anything, Yeah. you know? And that's kind of funny too. It's like people, you should put out more stuff. And I'm like, ah, I like more YouTube stuff and more stuff like that. Like, the problem is I, I would, I just, I don't like the system. Right. You know, I don't like the, I don't like the feedback mechanism. I like, I like putting my, um, movies out on Netflix and having, um, people, you know, that think about movies all day, watch it 
and say, you know what, that's a good movie, yeah. you know. And I, I like I like that system of educated people judging me, not just a bunch of you know people on YouTube, right? Being like, fuck that, I don't like his hat. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like, and, and so it's like there is a there is some sort of like level of like trolling and things on the internet that's just toxic that I try to stay away from. I, I don't think I should let it discourage me, but it definitely does. You know, it definitely just like, ah, I don't like that internet thing. You know, and maybe I'm old, <laughs> you know, but, um, but yeah, that's been difficult for me is like trying to figure out, trying to navigate that world. Like I would love to have a, what I would, I would ultimate goal before we leave. The ultimate goal would be to have a, um, either a Netflix channel, which they don't even have channels yet, but it's something I want to bring to them. A Netflix you know, thing where we can just keep creating content or a Netflix deal to keep creating content for them mm. to crank out. Like, I think I can crank out several documentaries a year. I just need a, I need an infrastructure right. in order to do that. Right. Um, it's not that hard to make these things. What's hard is like getting, you have to have, you know, two guys editing over here and two guys shooting over here and I'm developing over here. So then like one day I'm, one day I'm writing, one day I'm shooting, one day I'm editing, you know, and, and just go like that and you can do it all day. Yeah. But you know, it's like, like I said, you can never have enough systems. We need, we need more systems. So yeah, my ultimate goal would be to be able to crank out more content, but just figure out a way to, uh, a monetize it so that it can sustain itself and keep going. Um, I would love, like, I would love to work with vice, you know, in some capacity or, or do, I have a couple shows that I want to do that are like vice, you know, vice like, and I want to just keep bringing the truth, especially to like the fitness industry, you know? So we have this one thing, um, called health and fiction, which mm. is a, um, myth busters type show in the world of, you know, health and fitness where you, you know, you can go on forever with it and I can just let all my friends argue with each other and, and then they'll all hate each other, which is great. You is know? that your thing? Health and fiction? Is that a thing? Yeah. Oh, cool. I got to check yeah. it out. Well, I, I haven't done anything with it yet. It's a, oh, it's, a, okay. it's a pitch. It's something that we're pitching. That's but um, what we're, would, you know, basically like, look, we have a, every week we'll have a um, episode idea. Calories in, calories out. Right. Fucking go. Get like, you know, get people arguing. The, the people will go nuts, man. Especially like the people I know. Yeah. You know, the people in my, I can always find somebody for and against everything. Somebody like, oh, you should detox with blah, blah, blah. And then somebody like, detox? That's fucking bullshit. Right. You can't detox anything. You know, right. and then you're like, okay, now we're, let's get into the argument. Let's go. And like, you just open it up. So I feel like maybe I, maybe it's a podcast, maybe it's a TV show. I haven't really figured it out yet. But like, I feel like you get these sides arguing and I'm like the moderator or the mediator cool. or the terminator whatever it has to be in the middle yeah, yeah. So, yeah well you like or me like you or you like me i do way excessive amounts of preparation for podcasts and such yeah and, and then uh i throw it all away and so today the my all my preparation was around kratom and we didn't talk about it at all that's great yeah. <laughs> we can come back <laughs> yeah, yeah. but i would so much prefer to have just like yeah like let things breathe and let it go or yeah whichever direction sure. it goes so where do people find more, like learn more information about you, learn more information about whatever, where to, where to direct the people? Yeah, direct the people. Well, you know, my Instagram is big at big strong fast. And I, you know, I just kind of post what's going on on, on Instagram a lot. Um, and then I have a YouTube channel 
called Keto Strong, which is just kind of about me and my girlfriend Lauren's uh, ketogenic diet. And so we just post some stuff on there now and then, like interviews. And um, I have some of my podcasts about Kratom with uh, Lance Armstrong on there. I have some of my podcasts, you know, with him about keto on there. There's just, you know, just a place for me to sort of put things for now as a placeholder. I don't have like a real... Uh, well-intentioned plan for it yet uh, yeah. but when I start on the next film the idea for the next film is to have um, you know a YouTube channel that accompanies it and they, cool. so so that YouTube channel will sort of fall in line with you know a behind the scenes look at the movie but I feel like because the movie is about an ongoing diet and there's so many diseases and things that it deals with to discuss that we can constantly be bringing content that would never make it into the movie because the movie would be seven hours long. So I think you can bring content uh, along with the documentary and supplement as you're going along and sort of teach people as you're going along as well. And then, you know, not everybody's going to watch your YouTube channel. So it doesn't matter if you're putting stuff out here. And, you know, I think people get too held up with like, what they're going to do or, you know, how they're going to approach their business. And I just look at it like my brother does just keep cranking shit out and put it out. Yeah. Don't wait. You know? When's the, when's the, the, uh, Kratom documentary coming out? The Kratom documentary is called a leaf of faith, uh, because it is a leaf <laughs> that has restored my faith in, in, you know, natural supplements. Cool. Uh, but also, uh, you're asking people to take a leap of faith when you're asking them to, you know, trade in their opiates for something that's gonna gonna fix them and allow them to function in everyday life. Um, so, a leap of faith should be out. I think. Well, the the hope is to get it done in uh, in April, and then we'll see from there. I mean, I you know these things are. This is a weird timing one for me. So. Um, like while I I like to finish things and get them out, there's also uh, Sundance. Um, the deadline for Sundance is right around August, so it's like, well, do you finish it and it's great and you hold on to it and you try to get it in a you know a prestigious festival like Sundance, or do you just like put it straight to Netflix? Right. And that'll be a question that we come to. Um, it also depends on like, well, how how timely is it? How important it is? Is it like is right. it in, do, like does it need to get out right now? Yeah. Um, can like um can i get on joe rogan's podcast like tomorrow to talk about it can i get on you know can i get all the things i need in order to publicize it properly so we we get a lot a lot of people a lot of eyeballs on it the main thing is when you when you do these movies is just getting people to see it yeah you know bigger stronger faster it's been out for eight years you get people that's i just saw it yesterday and you're like wow that's you know it's been around for a long time and people are just finding it now yeah you know, when people are in the health and fitness industry and they've never seen it, I'm like, what do you watch on TV? Like, yeah, right. how could you possibly go on? Like, you have Netflix, right? And they'll yeah. say, yeah, I don't know. How could you possibly go on Netflix and, like, cruise past that title and not even stop if you lift? Right. Like, you cruise by and you see all these muscular bodies on the cover. You're like, I, you would ha- I would think you'd have to stop. Because I, yeah. I, I know I would stop. You right. know what I mean? I know my friends that are meatheads right. when uh, Blockbuster Video still existed, if anybody remembers that in your audience. When Blockbuster Video still existed, my friend Luke, he's like, dude, I walked in and I saw like Hulk Hogan and I went right to and I, I grabbed it off the I shelf. Actually, yeah, yeah. And he was like thing. so excited. Like, what is this? You know? And I love, you know, to me, discovering films is the greatest thing that you can possibly do. When you discover a movie that no 
no one else has really seen and you're the first guy to see it it's really you know it's one of those for me I'm a nerd like that it's a special time you know? right like oh you guys gotta see this you know? right cool man we'll see you well thank you dude sorry I ramble on I, no no dude no I'm not no I'm saying that in the, in the way of like of thanks for letting it go oh no I'm, yeah yeah cool. that's like my, my strong preference I took some kratom before this so. okay <laughs> You know what? If people would like to, uh, before we leave, yeah. if people would like to try Kratom or Kratom, uh, it, you know, if anybody out there, I should say this, I'll say this right now. If anybody out there is in real need, if you don't have money, if you're broke and you're struggling with addiction, um, you can email me. It's bigger, stronger, faster at me.com. If you need help, um, just email me and I can give you as much advice as I can. Hmm. Um, usually that warrants about, you know, five to 10 emails, you know, on a podcast. So, you know, I, I don't mind doing it. And as long as it's not, you know, becomes overwhelming, but, um, and if, if people need Kratom, I'll send it to them, you know, if, if that's, what's going to help them get off opiates or, or do whatever, we'll, we'll get it out to them. Um, we just want to see people get better, you know, and that's what this movie's about and that's what it's all about. So if people are having problems, like, you know, don't hesitate to email me, but you know who you are. If you're not really having that bad of a problem, don't email me, right. don't bother me. Cause I wouldn't bother you. Right. But if you're really having a problem <laughs> and you're really stuck, then, then hit me up. That's really sweet, man. Cool. All right, man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Align Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the podcast. If you want to support what we are doing and you are digging it, um, one thing you can do is you can jump onto aligntherapy.com and grab yourself an Align Band, which is a heavy-duty resistance band and a door anchor and um, comes with an instructional video guide and breakdown decompression of those joints, self-care stuff, exercise stuff. It's great. Um, some free things that you guys can do, one of which would be, as we mentioned, utilizing the Amazon affiliate link top hand right hand corner of the podcast page and uh just bookmark that thing anytime you purchase crap on amazon we get about six or seven percent of that costs you nothing and um also you could jump on to audibletrial.com slash align to get yourself a free audible audio book and a free month subscription costs you absolutely nothing and kicks us down some some scratch um thank you guys so much really appreciate your support and uh, thanks for sharing thanks for tuning in wouldn't be possible without you and look forward to seeing you next week